Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. I'm Tony Tolado. Welcome this week on Sci-Fi Talk, episode 14, where I look back on the podcasts that were uploaded this week. And this week marked the beginning of the Tribeca Festival, where indie films are showcased. I brought back some of my older interviews, either on the red carpet or at a hotel, and also new interviews as well from this year's edition. A convenience store worker is approached by a unicorn to request help from being hunted by poachers. That's hunting season. I spoke to the filmmakers about this short at the Tribeca Festival in 2019. I sat down with Hannah Levin and Ines Isis at the Roxy Hotel at the Tribeca Film Festival. So, first question is, uh, well, you both produced and you wrote. Yeah. So, um, how did the story kind of come about? Sort of many factors coming together, but my idea for the film came to me around the concept of a girl meeting a unicorn in an unexpected place. And I had the idea of a gas station, and I just thought visually and just... I guess as, as if, if something like that could happen, that would be fascinating to watch. And then the rest of the story sort of just came to me from conversations with people and imagining who this character was, and it just the rest of the pieces sort of fell into place. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. From 2014 on the Tribeca Festival is a film I spoke to the filmmakers called Jackrabbit about a dystopian future where a computer could be the key to mankind. That also aired on Monday. Here's the official description to kind of give you an idea what this film is about. Following a worldwide event known as The Reset, humanity rebuilds a society with aging mechanics where gleaming technology once stood. Surveillance now the status quo. Society is slowly putting its shattered pieces back together, but under a watchful eye. After a friend's suicide leaves behind a mysterious computer drive, a young computer prodigy, and also a shadowy hacker joined together to decipher the clues that he left behind. The youthful creators of Jackrabbit have successfully constructed a world which we haven't seen previously on film. Mixing retro production design with slick storytelling, they deliver a cinematic dissonance that will soon result in a shock to the senses. A jigsaw puzzle of a film that flaunts its lo-fi aesthetic proudly, Jackrabbit introduces a fresh new voice to the science fiction landscape. Carlton Ranney's directorial debut cleverly tweaks its sci-fi premise to offer an ambitious glimpse into the future. And here is the film's director, the aforementioned Carlton Ranney. This, what I, I think what hooks me right away is it is, it's really more of a whodunit uh, mystery as much as with technology. And, uh, and I guess the question is, what's on the drive? <laughs> Well, what's on the drive uh, is a series of uh, video clips um, that have been left behind by uh, our two main characters, uh, dead friends, um, and you know they uh, investigate these video clips and come to discover that it might lead to some answers about you know what's outside this sort of controlled dystopian world and uh, just answers about the world they live in. And Monday finished off with Here Alone, another acclaimed film about a woman who survived a pandemic and is out in the woods trying to survive from 2016's edition. The movie follows Anne as she is the lone survivor from her family of a post-apocalyptic virus. Into her solitary life comes Chris and his daughter Olivia, which forever change her life and offer new challenges. 
I just kind of got caught up in her routine of what she was doing. I mean, Probably how she survived. Probably. Yeah. And then the flashback started, and you're saying, oh, okay. That was uh, a person with a life. And that's yeah. the thing. Right. And that she's, I, what I like about it is that. And I, it's funny how I, some, I think this conversation actually probably first happened um, talking with wardrobe. Like, who is this person before all this happened? Like, we sort of mostly know her or them, you know, in this context. But who is she beforehand? And she's not somebody who probably chooses to go camping or, to, you know, she mm-hmm. likes pretty soft, sweet things. She's a, she is a frillier person than the situation has called upon. Trek Tuesday had Rebecca Romaine and Anson Mount of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And she tells us about how her background in life relates to this character and another famous franchise character. I feel like I've been drawn to these characters that have things that they've been hiding, things that they may be shameful about, um, and make a decision to stop hiding and to start living authentically. I would say from a personal standpoint, the only thing I can really draw from, and I I literally had a couple lines of dialogue as Una in episode two that I that I said as Mystique in the X-Men franchise. I mean, like literally word for word, there were a couple things that were the same. Um, and there there are some similarities between those characters. I, I would say for as far as Una is concerned, um, I'm a first generation American. Uh, my father's an immigrant. Uh, my husband's also first generation American. His father's an immigrant. Um, I'm a first generation actress. I didn't have anybody holding my hand to get into this this um, this industry. I didn't come from money. I really, I came from a pretty humble background and I'd say just figuring it out and pulling myself up and, and pounding pavement, as they say, um, was just, this, it, was, it was a real struggle. I mean, it was a struggle just to find success and uh, come from, you know, sort of meager beginnings and figure figure out this this world that I now live in. But that's the only thing I can draw a, a comparison to is I would say the story of a lot of a lot of the Star Trek characters are immigrant stories and I relate to that. My my mother was a, a linguist and um she taught English as a second language to immigrants and refugees and was a big supporter of of immigration reform and she really raised me to be appreciative of of our country and the fact that this is a, a country based on immigrants and Im- immigrant stories and um and I relate to that. Anson Mount on developing Pike's sense of humor and why it's important to the series. I think it's really important for an action adventure show to know when to play the front foot and when to play the back foot. Uh, it can be really easy. And I remember learning this lesson on Hell on Wheels after the first season. It's really easy to become a little too deliberate with these things. You know, after a while, driving at 100 miles an hour starts to feel very boring. <laughs> after a while, if having your hand on the hot stove you eventually, your nerve endings burn out. You can't feel it anymore. So you gotta know when to let off the pressure. I really, you know, the the cornerstone of my acting training was in, uh, was in clown in the European sense. My whole life I've been sort of, uh, for whatever reason, pigeonholed into drama or action. And so it's been really, really, really fun to be able to sort of spread my wings comedically and, and take advantage of the of the just the fun that we're having on this show. I think that uh, 
it's it's really important to to keep an an actor's interest throughout an entire season of television. Our writers really understand that, and they still understand how to do it. More of this cast soon on Trek Tuesday. So subscribe to Sci-Fi Talk and Apple Podcasts to hear more. This year's Tribeca selection is Brenda and Billy and the Pothos Plan. And this short was written and directed by Dave Solomon for this horror comedy. And I know, and for any people who probably are listening and have no idea what it is, it's, it is crazy. Um, <laughs> 15 minute short called Brenda and Billy and the Pothos Plant. And I actually, Santino and Sarah, who are the two main actors, we all did uh, the musical Tootsie together as the associate director of the show on Broadway and then subsequently directed the tour. But Santino, who won a Tony for the show, and yeah. Sarah nominated. We all knew each other from that. I actually, Santino, Santino and I go back years. We've worked together a bunch and are friends. And uh, it was coming out of pandemic times where we were all, you know, work was still tricky in yeah. theater and film worlds. And, um, and we're mostly, you know, working steadily in theater. And it was tough. And uh, but they're both done a lot of film and TV, as, as have I. And we were uh, and Santino was actually right, said, write something for Sarah and I. Because um, he'd no- seen my writing and seen my film stuff, and I had a play uh, that was workshopped well, and um, so he suggested it, and th- then we all ch- chatted, and basically what happened, I would just started thinking of the two of them, and I had this image pop into my head of the two of them sitting on a park bench and Sarah holding a dying plant, and it kind of came Sarah's very naturey, and her dressing room at Tootsie was covered with like plants and things, so I just had this image <laughs> of, and then Santino sent me a list of against type roles, like things he characters he wanted to play that he had never played, and one of them was a magician. And honestly, I go, I tend to think I go running by um, the water, and I live in Brooklyn in Williamsburg, and I go for my morning runs, and I tend to think about things. And I had that image in my head, and he told me magician, and I can't tell you where the rest happened. It was kind of a that pandemic time loop. It was coming off the Omicron time in that period where we were all feeling crazy and in our homes yeah. again, and and that tension. And I'd been staying with my mom a lot, who I would never just say <laughs> no feelings towards my mom the way that that character does in this film. But it was those. It just kind of took those pandemic stresses and the things we were feeling to that kind of absurd comedy horror world that I think is fun in a way of like it lets you in a fantasy way like let out some of that that energy that we're all kind of feeling in a in a fun and fantastical and absurd way love the dark humor in this it is uh, you know it's always one of my favorite things is uh, how dark humor is used in in movies and uh, and certainly uh, it was well used here uh, you know with Billy and Brenda I mean it was just really nicely done I love their relationship, and his delivery is perfect for his cat. I mean, you you see the difference in both of them. Did you have time to kind of work on that? Was that all in the screenplay, or was there was it kind of worked on before you shot? It was. I mean, we worked on it. We did do a few rehearsals, but not a lot, to be honest. I mean, part of it is when you write for people you know. And, and it's a rare thing to, I mean, I've had things where I've written stuff and rewritten things and you're working with different actors, but this was literally like, I wrote it with Santino and Sarah in my head and it kind of just came out and I sent to them and they were like, this is amazing. Very few notes. We did do a table read then to like hear it out loud, made some changes from there. A lot of that to me is always like, oh, you don't need to say this. You don't need to say this. You just see it. And then we did a walkthrough kind of rehearsal just to like plot and stage it and, and kind of brushed up the script. Sci-Fi Talk continues, so stay tuned. 
That was for Wednesday. Moving on to Thursday, in addition to Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, was a coverage of a film called The Shipment. And this is from 2019 at the Tribeca Festival about a father trying to do right by his daughter with a shipment that'll pay for an exclusive school for her. But the shipment is one of slaves. Alex Ponovic is a single dad trying to raise his daughter, and he's given a job that will pay for his daughter getting into a prestigious school, but at a moral cost. At the Roxy Hotel at the Tribeca Film Festival, I sat down with director Bobby Bala, producers Arwen Fryer and Ana Carizales, star Alex Ponovic, director of photography Naeem Sutherland, who joined us later, and makeup designer and artist Sarah Elizabeth. Really what appeals to me is you can strip the sci-fi elements away. It's really a movie about a father and his daughter, which is obviously relatable to anybody. And your daughter is in the film. Mm -hmm. So talk about how the story kind of came together when you were putting this film together. Yeah, so my first goal was for my first film is that I just basically wanted to make a film with my daughter. That was really the only thing that I had in my mind. So I didn't have a story or script or anything like that. I just thought that would be kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. And uh, so she was nine or 10 when I started writing the script. So there was a small window of time when otherwise she would be too old. So when we started shooting the film, she was basically right at the, we just got it right under, under under the wire, otherwise she would have been, she actually, even during the shoot, she had a little bit of a growth spurt. <laughs> um, so uh, that was my first goal, and then uh, how I thought of the story was I was at a gas station and saw a big rig pull, pull into the gas station, and I saw a big trucker get out, and he helped his daughter out, and I guess, and I wondered if he was like a single dad, and uh, so I just thought, if... Uh, well, how would that play out if it happened, you know, somewhere else, like in a galaxy far, far away, uh, that whole uh, kind of scenario. So I just thought it would make a good story, and that was the kind of seed from Did she do the paintings, or because the paintings were awesome? Uh, she did a couple of them, but no, we actually had a, an actual professional painter to paint those, and, you know, it had to be done in a kind of a childlike way. It couldn't, couldn't look too professional. Sci-fi talk continues, so stay tuned. Alex, I, I mean, you, uh, you're obviously playing a dad. What, what kind of struck you about him when you, when you started playing? It was, it was interesting because when we worked on it, we approached each other and then working with his daughter and, um, and just kind of getting the relationship. I love the idea of uh, uh, a morally and integrity, his integrity is questioned, conflicted man that that is trying to do the right thing through difficult circumstances. And I love the idea of, you know, where this character would find these little moments, even though he's throughout, um, all, his mission is to always do the right thing and he falls short quite a bit. Um, so I love that, that structure of, um, you know, I get a lot of roles because of my stature. And so a lot of times when I can see the depth in a character and I know I can, I can investigate it and, and do, do some literal critical thinking um, and finding my own deficits and my own deficiencies and, and kind of putting that into the character, I find that's, you know, and for, for me as a performer, it opens up my rib cage, shows my heart, and I, and I feel like those are the stories that I want to tell. And when I read this, this was one of those stories. Friday closed out the week with something else, a different kind of monster movie. Also picked at the Tribeca Festival from 2019. Something else blends romance and a monster film all in one. 
At the Roxy Hotel, I sat down with co-directors Jeremy Gardner, Christian Stella, and actor Bria Grant. So to kind of start off, something I was, I was thinking about before I came in, is it possible to, you're shooting a film and you're and, and acting in a film and you, you're, you kind of go into it with one tone in mind. When you're shooting, is it possible to change that as you're going on in the performance and what you're trying to do? That's an interesting question. I feel like, it, 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 can it? Sure, it sure it can. Um, I think you set out with a, a tone in mind and and hopefully the choices inform that tone, but they, they certainly can exacerbate the tone. Like, uh, you know, we also always intend to like, do something that feels thoughtful and real and has heart and a little comedy and also horror, but the performances end up magnifying uh, what our intentions are. Um, but as far as, in general, if you set out to make a film and the tone changes, it, I think you met, did you mess up? <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I feel like I've been in some movies that yeah, where yeah. we're supposed to be serious and ended up being comedies because they're so bad. Yeah, <laughs> you, can met, you can accidentally change yeah, the tone. Yeah, I think you but, accidentally, but, but the yeah. crazy thing about the script is I feel like the tone was on the page. Like you're, the, like what you guys, what Jeremy wrote is 100% like what it ended up being. Yeah. I think. Like, like yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, sure. no, it's, it's a bit, yeah, it's, it's there's the comedy's on the page, the scares are on the page, the heart's on the page. Um, so I don't even know why we shot it. We should have just read it. <laughs> you, you could read it if you had a voice. <laughs> I'll hire someone to read it for me. The challenge is to kind of balance the romance and the horror elements. And you played up the romance element with the horror kind of creeping around in the background which I think really works. Thank you. But there's a balance you have to kind of strike. And what's that like from a performance standpoint also from, and you're also in it as well, and, and you know, from a, from a directing and starring kind of uh, perspective? Well, I mean, I think it just depends on what you end up wanting uh, it to be. Like, I, like we, we love horror films, but we love love more. <laughs> um, and... Uh, you know, it can be tough to, it's nice to be accepted into this little world right now, but it, it can be tough to like want to, to feel like you're a part of the horror community when you really are, are focusing more on the love and the romance. And I know that that was something in the, in the, in the edit and the script that, especially Christian, yeah. if, if Christian had his way, it would only be romance. Yeah. No monster at all, <laughs> and we wouldn't be here right yeah, now. Yeah, we were joking that it was the Notebook with with a monster, and then, but you were saying that you just want to make the Notebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and it, but we also do love horror, movies, so we want to make sure that it feels a part of that world. But I would rather look at Bria than the monster. <laughs> That's why the monster's only in there for a couple, you know, it's not in there for very long, also because it's rubber and you have to cut around that. I don't know if that was a compliment for me, but I am going to take it as one. <laughs> that was a compliment. Yeah, I, would rather, I would rather look at a human being and feel an emotion than watch splatter. But I want a little splatter. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, want, I want to have my cake and eat it. There'll be more of my Tribeca Festival coverage 
old and new next week. You can subscribe to Sci-Fi Talk at Apple Podcasts. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening. 